So let's stand to our feet and honor Pastor Stacy. She comes and preaches the word. Thank you so much. Thank you all. It's a joy to be with you. And let me just get myself set up here. Um, we've been really enjoying the sunshine here because, and how many of you have ever been to Manchester? You come to Manchester and you enter into a cloud, basically, and you stay under that cloud, and the, the light is on the inside, in Jesus' name. You've got light shining on the inside, but there is, it's, um, it's a joy to be here, and I love the coast as well, and of course, we love family church, and we've been here in the UK now for seven years. So that's, that's hard to believe, honestly. So we moved here, um, you know, to plant Ramp Church in Manchester, and we've been in the UK for seven years, and, and it's been a joyful, challenging journey. And I hear that you guys have been, um, you have been talking a bit about what it is to run the race, and you've been talking a bit about um, Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2, where we're called to run this race with endurance, and we have this course that God has set for our life, and if we're alive here on earth, then there's more for us in God. No matter what our age, no matter what we've experienced up to this point, there's a journey still ahead of us. As long as we have a pulse, there's more that we get to experience in God's presence, and there's more purpose to be fulfilled. And that, to me, is so encouraging, right? We'll never exhaust the journey that God has for us. And uh, even when we cross over to eternity, we will still be experiencing greater depths of glory. We'll still be, the purposes of God will still be unfolding as we're ruling and reigning with him and his kingdom. So I, I'm here just to encourage you this morning because we are in this journey together. And we are running this race together. And I love, you know, in Hebrews 12, where he's talking, the author of Hebrews is saying, run with endurance the race that God has set before you. That, well, that little phrase, I, I love it and I don't like it at the same time, right? First of all, running. I'm, I don't know how many of you actually run, but running is hard work. And, 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 and then you put in the phrase with endurance. And if you say anything and you tag on with endurance, it kind of like, it kind of gives you this impression, this is going to be challenging. You know, like that word endurance, that command to endure, even it speaks that there will be points in this race when you want to give up, and you have to push forward. So I started, I actually, my dad was a great example. I had, a, I have wonderful parents. They live in the States, and um, my dad, always growing up, he was a great example of actually exercising. And he would go out, and he would run. So I started running when I was 12 years old. And I'm not an athlete by any means. In fact, I really... I would never call myself a runner. Like, even though I run, I'm not necessarily like one of those people who can just run, run, run. So I used to, I used to start, you know, running just from mailbox to mailbox. <laughs> I would run from one mailbox to the next mailbox, and then I would walk, and then I would run, and then I would run. And so now I've been running throughout my life. I'm 36 years old now, and I, I'm still running. But here's, this is the really the sad truth. I don't know if I've actually improved at all in my running ability. And part of the reason for that is I've never been coached in running. So you can do something for a long period of time, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to grow in your ability to do it. Whereas when I started, I started going um, to the gym 
this was just a seasonal bit of my life that I was going, I was going to the gym and I started doing these classes, right? And I have in the class somebody who's actually telling me what to do. And you guys, you know, I mean, this is nothing new under the sun. You know what it's like to be in a workout where somebody's telling you to do something and how you often are pushing yourself further because you're in a class with other people and there's this, this um, physical trainer who's giving you instructions and there are instructions you would never give yourself, right? I would never, I w- and, and this is true because I work out by myself and I, I would never, I never do burpees when I am in charge of my workout. I hate burpees, you know, I hate certain things and I steer clear from those. But when I submit myself to a coach, I start to do things that I don't want to do. I don't think is physically possible for me to do. And the, and the fruit of that is I go further because the coach sees what's physically possible, the potential that I have. And is developing me. So I want to talk to you today about how in this race, in this journey that you are on with the Lord, and no matter where you're at, no matter how many decades or how new you may be on this journey of following Jesus, that the Lord has set you up to win. He has given you what it says in 1 Peter. It says he's given you everything you need for life and godliness. And you're going to be moments where endurance in your walk with God. Some of you may be in a season right now where the endurance is having to kick in because the desire has waned. You've set off to follow Jesus and maybe you feel your desire. Maybe it's hard to believe because there's circumstances that are hard to understand. Circumstances that may be testing your trust in God. But God has given you this precious Holy Spirit. And I want to talk to you about the Holy Spirit being your coach, committed to you. So the Holy Spirit is your coach. And this is the title of this message, Your Good, Your Growth, and God's Glory. And I want to talk about on this journey, this race that, you're, that you are on, how the Holy Spirit is ultimately there with you in every leg, committed to your good, committed to your growth, and committed to bringing glory to God through your life. So let's dive in. Okay, so we're talking about when, in fact, when we go back to the gym, (laughs) on the gym wall, painted on this gym wall that I was attending, was the statement that was just so obnoxious, okay? And it said this, it said, if it doesn't challenge you, it won't change you. And how many of you feel like, yeah, you look back on your life and you see that you've gone through some real challenges. But it has been those challenges that have given you more compassion for people, taught you how to pray with desperation like you've not known before. Some challenges you've been able to press in and see facets of God's goodness, his comfort, for instance, that you never would have experienced unless you were being challenged, unless your faith was being challenged. And all throughout our race with God, there will be challenges, there will be tests, tests of strength, tests of faith. But we have this Holy Spirit in us, this constant comforter, and he's here for our good. And I want to start by even just reading how in John 16, Jesus in John 14, 15, 16, you know, he's really setting up his disciples for the fact that he's about to suffer on the cross and he's going to leave. He's going to heaven. 
He's going to ascend and he's trying to calm their fears because this doesn't make any sense to the disciples. Why would Jesus leave? Why would he leave now? Why wouldn't he set up his kingdom here on earth now and overthrow the Roman empire and let us rule and reign now? What? So he's really trying to lead his disciples into this big plan that God has. Not just for their lives, but for the kingdom of God. And he gives them some comforting, encouraging words in John 16. And this is what, this is what I want to just, so basic, but I just want to remind you, is God has your good in mind. You know, he's going to ask, God, God will ask, this is, this is the thing. If we have, if God is God in our life, if Jesus is Lord, then we have to submit to his lordship. If he's Lord, then he has the right to command us, to tell us what to do. I think about like a coach or a teacher. When we go to school, like we expect a teacher to teach us, right? To correct us so that we can grow. We go to the gym, we have a coach, we have a running coach. We expect that coach to command us, to tell us what to do. And we know it's for our growth, right? For our good. Well, God is God. If he's God, if we really believe that he's omniscient, that he's all-knowing, that his wisdom is infinite, then he's going to command us of some things that we won't understand. If we understood it all, then we would be God, right? And if we got to make all the calls, then we would be God. But the fact that he's Lord That very truth means he's going to ask us of things that we won't want to do, things we won't understand. We're going to go through some seasons where his ways are so high above us, we're going to be scratching our head the whole way through. But this, this is not meant to destroy us. And oftentimes people hit these seasons, and just like Jesus said in Mark 4 where he's talking about the different perils, they get uh, the, 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 the different soils. He's giving the parable of the different soils. Jesus says some people, they receive it, and then when temptation comes or testing, they fall away. But we're not meant to fall away. That's not God's plan. That's not his design for us. His design is that we run with endurance, that we finish the race, that we finish this life with great fruitfulness. Okay, so he, so God is ultimately, no matter what he commands us to do, no matter what he stretches us to do, no matter what he challenges us to do, could be little things like, oh my goodness, I was thinking this morning of a time when, you know, I felt the Lord, uh, the Lord just speaking to me first, it was first through a dream, and then as I was praying about the dream and reading scripture, and then I was reading this Robert Morris book. Have you heard of this, this teacher, a Bible teacher, Robert Morris, who's a pastor in Dallas? He teaches a lot on giving and generosity. So through this dream, through the word, through then listening to this Bible teaching, I felt the Lord asking Joe and I to give a certain amount that I thought was absolutely impossible for us to give. It was like so challenging. And I had to wrestle. I was wrestling. I was like, well, God, first of all, I don't think that's possible. Second of all, that can't be good for us, right? Like you, surely you want us to have like a little bit of cushion, a little bit of, you know, kind of arguing with God. And then finally just had to submit. And when I stepped out in obedience, I saw God's provision and faithfulness that I never would have seen if I would have just gone my own way about it. So there's these moments where God is stretching us and challenging us and we're having to exercise endurance and, and it's for our good. Say, for my good. And the Holy Spirit in you, he's your constant coach, okay? So Jesus ascended to heaven. 
And in John 15, Jesus says that the Holy Spirit, he's going to be in you and with you at all times. And just like a coach or a teacher is very attentive to the student or to the trainee, the Holy Spirit is very attentive to you. He's not, he's not like tuned out. He's like a parent with a child. You know, I can remember when the girls were little, it's like they wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't even have to hear them cry in the middle of the night. It was like I was so connected to them that I would often wake up right before they would wake up. And, and you moms, if there are any young moms, it's kind of obnoxious, right? It's like you just, you just like wake up and it's like you're so wired, you're so tuned in to your kid that you can predict the need and know the need before it even comes. And the Holy Spirit in you is very tuned into you. He's very tuned in to you. He's very tuned in to what you need. He's tuned in to your past. He knows the pain that you've endured. He's in tune to your present capacity. He knows what you can handle right now, but he's also very tuned in to your future. He sees your potential. He sees the design that God has for your life. He sees everything that you are capable of. And every interaction with the Holy Spirit, he's never detached from your past, present, future. Every command that he gives you is totally tuned in to the past pain, the present trial, and the future glory that you're called to. So Jesus in uh, in John 16 He's setting up his disciples for his departure. And he says in John 16, I'm going to read verse 5 through 7. He says here, and the Holy Spirit, um, picking up kind of in the middle of this discourse. But Jesus says in verse 7, but in fact, it's best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, the advocate, which that word in the Greek is paraclete, it means the comforter, the counselor the encourager won't come. So if I don't go away, the advocate won't come. And if I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and the coming judgment. And he goes on to say, you know, talking about how the Holy Spirit's going to lead us. He's going to lead us into all truth. He's going to remind us of what the Father has said. So the Holy Spirit is for your good. And he's with you and he's in you. And every nudge that you get, you know, sometimes I can, sometimes you'll be going, going about, about your day and you'll have just a little impression, the thought come across your mind to spend some extra time in prayer that day. How many, I'm sure many of you have, have you been walking with Jesus, you get the thought, oh, I need to spend extra time with the Lord. And that's for your good. Come on, it's not, it's what First John, First John 5 says the commands of God are not burdensome. So God, through every impression, through every nudge of the Holy Spirit, he is leading you to eternal life. In John 6, Jesus is talking to a big crowd of people, and he's saying some really hard things. In fact, let's just flip a few pages. We can go to John 6. And um, I'm going to start in verse... 60 here. Well, actually, I'll just go down to 66 for time's sake. John 6, 66. It's such an ironic 6, 66. Okay, and this is what the verse says. It says, at this point, of, of, um, at this point many disciples turned away and deserted him. And Jesus then turned to the 12 and asked, are you going to leave? Now, why did he desert him? The backstory to this is Jesus was saying some hard things. 
In fact, it even says, many disciples said up in verse 60, this is very hard to understand. How can anyone accept this? And there will be moments on your race when you're going to be saying the same thing. God's going to be, you're going to be going through tests and trials. Many of you have endured many tests and trials, and you've already been through seasons where you're looking up to God and you're saying, this is very hard to understand. These circumstances are hard. How can anybody accept these circumstances? God, how can you accept these circumstances? And many in the crowd, they left Jesus at that point. And that's where we're picking up in verse 66. At, that, at this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. And Jesus turned to the 12 and he said, are you going to leave? And this is wild because we always have a choice, right? Nobody's making you follow Jesus. You now have the privilege of a choice to follow. Because of what Jesus did on the cross and through rising, rising again, he freed us from sin so we have a choice to follow him. We were slaves to sin. There was no hope. We were permanently separated from God, without hope and without God. But now we have a choice that we can follow him. But sometimes even in that choice of following him, it's going to be hard to understand him. And you're going to have the choice to leave. And that's each of our choices. And why do we have this choice? Because God wants a love relationship. It's in the choice to follow him that our love is built. So Peter then says, Simon Peter replied in verse 68, Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. And even though sometimes things are hard about following Jesus, sometimes you just have to remember that Peter-Jesus moment there. You may not understand what God's asking, He may be asking you to give more. He may be asking you to serve more. He may be asking you to pray at a certain time in the middle of the night, and that's really inconvenient, or a certain time in the morning, and that's really inconvenient. And all these little, or circumstances may happen in your life that seem like they are contrary to the character and the nature of God, and you're going to have plenty of opportunities to walk away. But if you can just remember the Holy Spirit in you is leading you to eternal life. And if you can commit to submit to him as your coach, just trust in him. Trust in him. He is good, and so trust in him. The truth that the Holy Spirit is your coach, you've got to know that he is good and has your good and your best in mind. And your response to that is you put your trust in him. You don't lean on your own understanding, right? Because his ways are so high above yours. But you trust in him. Okay, so he's for your good. He has your best interest in mind. Everything he asks of you. Every bit of prayer, every bit of fasting, every bit of discipline, every bit of stepping outside of that comfort zone. Every little unction. He is leading you to eternal life. He is good and he has your best in mind. Just like a parent sees the whole of a child's life, Holy Spirit is coaching you with always the awareness of your past, present, and future. And then the next thing is, of course, he has your growth in mind. He's not just wanting you to just slip into eternity saved. He's wanting you here on earth to experience the kingdom of God. Jesus came and said, the kingdom is here and it's within you. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. 
It's here and it's coming. And the Holy Spirit, I love how Paul says this, the Holy Spirit in you is that down payment that every, that there's this full manifestation of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit that you're going to be living all eternity in. The full manifestation of healing, deliverance, salvation. The full manifestation of victory. But here on earth, you've got the Holy Spirit in you, and he testifies to you that full salvation, full deliverance, full manifestation of every promise is yes and amen. Okay, so he is in you, and he is wanting you to grow. And as you grow, your capacity to experience God's peace and joy and love increases. So your growth is not just about you becoming a better person, right? It's not just about your performance as a Christian. Your growth is about your ability to experience God and experience his kingdom. And it's about your ability to grow in releasing his kingdom to the world around you. All right, now this is in first, uh, this is in second Peter 1 8. And second Peter talks about adding to your faith all of these things. In fact, for time's sake, I think I'm just going to let you go home and read that one. First Peter, um, or second, yeah, second Peter 1, 8, where, where Peter is saying, now I want you to, he says, everything that has been given, God has given you everything you need for life and godliness. And then he says, so add to your faith, supplement your faith with moral excellence, with, with this brotherly love and this love for everyone. And he's saying, keep growing, keep growing. Say, keep growing. There's this vision that God has for your life. And when he looks at you, God looks at you like he looks at a garden or like a parent looks at a child. I look at my children, and I'm not just glad that they exist, that they're born. No, I'm committed to see them grow. And God doesn't just look at your life and say, oh, she's saved, hallelujah. He's saved. He's coming into glory. No, God is so committed to you growing in your knowledge of him, growing in your experience of his love, growing in your ability to represent him here on earth, to experience the fulfillment that comes from fulfilling the purpose of God. So Holy Spirit, your coach, he's about your good and he's about your growth. And one of the prayers that I pray that I feel like just so captures God's heart for us to grow is in Philippians 1. And that's verse 9 through 11. And this, Paul, uh, this prayer that Paul prays, I feel like just so summates God's heart, the Holy Spirit's heart for our growth. So he's writing this letter to the church, to believers. And in verse 9 of chapter 1, he says, I pray that your love will overflow more and more. Say more and more. Just picture that. Just picture yourself. Picture yourself the further life goes, even the more hurt, the more pain, the more disappointment you've experienced. I want you to just see you, you loving more and more. Like picture yourself, you're 90 years old, and you are more loving towards God and more loving to people than you were when you were in your 20s. This is God's vision for you. This is why the Holy Spirit is in you. This is where the Holy Spirit wants to lead you. It's to more and more. More and more love. So he says, I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing. Say, keep on growing. 
God's vision for you and why he has given you this precious Holy Spirit is so you can keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ, for this will bring much glory and praise to God. And this to me sums up even all three of my points. Why is the Holy Spirit, what is the purpose of the Holy Spirit, your coach? It's for your good. It's for your growth, your growth here and now, and for God's glory. Your growth your ability not just to, um, to experience God, but to multiply yourself and get the kingdom of God through you produces and makes um, God be glorified on the earth. You think about fruit. You know, the Lord, I'm sure fruit is a common, common th- thing in your, in your human understanding of why God has called you. He's called you to be fruitful and multiply, to make disciples. But fruit is twofold. Fruit is your actions it's doing good. It's, it's being able to represent the kingdom of God by doing good on the earth, right? Jesus came and he destroyed the works of the evil one. He went around doing good and healing the sick and preaching the kingdom. So you have these actions that are revealing God's goodness. It's when you're taking chocolate out to the neighbors, you know, in this area, you're doing good. You're releasing the goodness of God. These actions that release the goodness of God, that's being fruitful. But it's also the attitude, It's the righteous character. It's the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. It's those attitudes that the Holy Spirit, and that fruitfulness in your life brings glory to God. It makes God known in the earth. Jesus said in John 15, verse 8, and this is about your, your you giving God glory. In John 15, verse 8, he says to his disciples, this is in the context where Jesus is saying that he's, um, he's the gardener, the Father is the gardener, and he prunes us for great fruitfulness. John 15, verse 8 says, when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. And the Holy Spirit in you is working in you is there in you, present and attentive, challenging you, testing you, leading you forward so you can be fruitful for God and God can be glorified on the earth. So if Holy Spirit is in us as our coach and he has our good and our growth and God's glory in mind, then what's our part to play? Because, I mean, like you, I'm, I'm, I'm with you, you have a job, you've got kids, you've got physical limitations, right? How do, we, how do we practically just let the Holy Spirit do his work in us? Honestly, I think the first thing, and this is so simple, but we have to give him our attention. We've got to give God more of our attention. Think about when you were in school. Some of you parents, you have you know, kids in school, right? What do you do? You always ask your kids, have you learned anything? Did you learn anything today? Did you learn anything? You're like so hopeful that the answer is going to be impressive, you know? And, and I can remember I was in school, and I was in school. I was in school for 12 years, and I don't think I ever wanted to be in school. 
And it's because I missed the whole point of school, right? When you're a kid, you just want to have fun, right? You just want to have fun. Everything is about having fun. And sometimes we come into Christianity with that mindset. We come into like, oh, it's all about fun. It's all about pleasure. If it's not fun, then I don't want to do it. But school's not about fun. School's about learning. And your walk with God isn't just about you having a comfortable, you know, cushy life where you're having fun and everybody's having fun because fun is not ultimately going to fulfill you. God's presence and God's purpose is going to be glorious and fun and wonderful, but it's so much more than just that. So you can be in school, but you, you're not necessarily learning anything because you're not switched into what you're not switched on to what the purpose is. So you, you're like these kids, you know, who every day your parents ask, well, have you learned anything? And they're like, no, not really. And it's because your whole mindset in school is you're just waiting for a good time and you're missing the main point that you're actually supposed to learn something. So you've got to give God your attention. God is wanting to grow you and learn and, and you increase in knowledge. And so how is the Holy Spirit going to do that? Just agree with the main point. Agree with the work of the Holy Spirit. Agree with it. Get your head in the game. You know, you go to the gym, right? And this is what I have to tell myself. And it's so funny, the things that we, we, we go to the gym and we're like, and then we're surprised and annoyed that we're challenged and that we're uncomfortable, you know? But if you just agree with the main point that God has for your life, that's the first step. So tune in and pay attention. And this, I find this is so important. Like, I want to give God attention because the world is fighting for your attention and everybody's demanding your attention. The most important one to pay attention to throughout the day is the Lord, is the Holy Spirit. And that's give him time in the morning. That's throughout the day. Have hard stops where for two minutes, you just stop the clock. Two minutes, you just tune in. You're on your way here, you're on your way there, instead of, you know, you just tune in, have hard stops. And this is the way Paul says it, pray without ceasing. You've got to tune in to what he's saying. And then when you tune in, you've got to trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. So you're going to tune in and he might ask you something and it's going to be uncomfortable and your flesh is going to be at war with your spirit and you've got to trust in him. And then when you trust, you step out in obedience and you keep trusting. Even if the results aren't as spectacular as you thought, even if Gabriel doesn't show up because you, you turned on the alarm and you decided to pray, you continue to trust and obey. So tune in, trust, and obey. And here's the thing, just like what Pastor Steve was saying at the beginning when he was talking about the worship night tonight and prayer is the world around you needs you and needs the Holy Spirit in you. And God's plan is he sent Jesus, but Jesus has ascended already. And now the answer to people receiving salvation is the Holy Spirit in you is going to reach them. Jesus isn't going to come down again as far as to save the world. He's already saved. Now he's coming again. He's coming again to judge, to execute, to rule, and to reign. So right now, your willingness to run the race, your willingness, your, your uh, willingness to commit, to submit to the Holy Spirit, it's not just about you. There are souls at stake. And it's an incredible privilege that we get to participate in the eternal plan of God. 
Let's stand to our feet. If I could have the band just come back up. And just close your eyes all over this room. If you're in this room and you just feel like you've not submitted to the lordship of Jesus Christ, you you bulk at his command. You bulk at when he tells you to do something. You still are in this fight for who's in charge. Today's a day of salvation. And salvation comes from releasing control of your life and putting your trust in Jesus to lead you, putting your trust in him to command you, to teach you, and his ways lead to life. And if that's you, I'm not going to call you to the front, but I just want you to raise your hand, and we're all going to pray a prayer to just submit to his lordship. If you want to receive Lord Jesus as your life, as the Lord of your life, as give him the right that he deserves as God to command your life, then just put your hand up. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. See that hand. Are there any others? Just as a corporate body, because we're all connected, let's just as an act of faith and as, as a corporate body, let's just all lift our hands right now and just repeat this prayer. Just repeat this after me and just say, Holy Spirit, we commit to submit to your Lordship. Forgive us for our resistance and make us willing, Lord, to obey, to trust in your plan for our life. Amen. And while the band, I'd like the band just to sing a song. And as they're singing, I want you just to search your heart. Let the Holy Spirit shine a light. If there's any part in you that's resisting to the challenge, to the growth, the plan that he has, then in his presence, just confess that to him. Just say, Lord, I've, I confess. I've been resistant to your nudge to give. I've been resistant to your nudge to serve. I've been resistant. Break down my resistance. Make me willing, Lord. I want to grow. I want to be fruitful for your glory. In Jesus' name.